0: uh, thank you so much for deciding to uh, be a part of our online experience. You know, I've said this just about every, every week, but I miss you very much. I miss hanging out with you. Uh, I miss hugging your neck. I miss just shaking your hand, getting to know you a little bit better. I know we have a lot of guests that are joining us in this uh, online experience. I know that many of you are, have been at Freedom House for, for many, many years. But I just want to just take a minute, and I just want to pray for you. I want to pray for your family. I want to pray for your business. I want to pray for what's going on in your life, because I know um, we're, I think, week four, week five, something like that. I've lost track of the number of days that we've dealt with this crisis, but I just want to pray for you before I get into this message today. Father, I just lift up every person within the sound of my voice, God. I pray, Lord, that you would speak to their hearts today, that you would remove any barriers any oppression anything on them that may be holding them back from <clears throat> following you connecting with you father i'm so thankful for technology what would we do without technology father thank you that that people all over the world right now are being blessed by the music by the message by the connection and father although we may be sitting in separate rooms we are one body serving you under the authority of Jesus. So Father, I just right now with the authority that you've given me in the position that I sit in Lord as pastor, God I pray that you would remove things off of people, that you would deliver them from anxiety and you would bring a peace over them over these next few minutes that I have with them. God that their minds would be right, their hearts would be open and Lord you would speak to every person in the name of Jesus. Come on, if you can say amen right where you are, just say amen, amen. Well, hey, um, I've got a great message. You know, we're in a series called Humpty Dumpty, the Humpty Dumpty life. You know, the, you know the nursery rhyme. Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. All the king's horses, all the king's men could not put Humpty back together again. And today i got something special that I want to talk to you about. So... Um, Okay, well, it is my birthday week. I, I, actually, I celebrate my birthday. This is a little, they, they slid this one in there on my message notes, all right? Um, I want to talk for a few minutes about what it looks like to be, way to go, team. You got me right there. Um, what it means to be broken on the inside. You know, this week I got a phone call, a text message actually from a pastor friend of mine. And uh, he said, hey, Pastor Troy, can I talk to you? Um, I'm kind of one of his overseers. Uh, I help about 10 or 12 guys, just kind of coach them. And he said, hey, I have a question I want to ask you. I've been feeling real anxious, and uh, I think I may have had a panic attack. And so I called him, we had a great conversation. Uh, Many of you may know that I went through, about 12 years ago, I was broken on the inside. I went through some very deep struggles on the inside. You know, I think it's real easy as Christians to kind of fake it on the outside when we are broken on the inside. And today, what I want to do is I want to talk about what it looks like for God to fix you from the inside out. To deal with something that I think is a real important thing that we have to deal with in the moment that we live in right now called discouragement? How do we break out of discouragement? Let's look at a story um, in the book of 1 Samuel beginning in chapter 30 verse one. This is the the story of David before he actually took over the throne and he he was running from Saul but he was also fighting uh, some some Philistines and different eens and different Ites all through the scriptures. Look look at verse one with me. It says, "Now it happened." Now let me just stop right here. Whenever you see in the Bible, it says, "Now it happened." Okay, just get ready because there's going to be a great story. It says, "Now it happened when David and his men. He had about three hundred mighty men." Came to Ziklag, um, that's right outside of Myrtle Beach, on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south, and Ziklag attacked Ziklag and burned it with fire. Okay, let, let me just, before we get any farther. Let me just kind of unpack this a little bit so you know what's going on. First of all, who are the Amalekites? The Amalekites were the great-grandsons of Esau. Now this is really important in understanding metaphorically or symbolically the things that we read in Scripture. The Amalekites were the descendants of Esau. Who was Esau? Esau was the son of Abraham when he had intercourse with his maidservants. In other words, God gave Abraham this promise that he would be the father of men or nations. And so Abraham took it upon himself to try to do God's promise. In other words, what he did is he tried to operate in the flesh to try to get God's promise enacted in his life. And as a result of that, the Amalekites exist. Esau existed and the Amalekites came into play. So whenever you see in the Bible the Amalekites are involved, what you're really seeing in our life symbolically is the rising up of our flesh in attacking God's promise in our life. Okay, so that with that in mind, let's keep reading. Verse 2, it said, and, and had taken. So the Amalekites came in. Um, David was fighting. He brought his team back. Uh, they burned the city with fire. And they took captive the women and those who were there from small to great, and they did not kill anyone. They didn't, so they just took them captive and didn't kill any of them, but carried them away and went their own way. So David and his men came to this city, and there it was, burned with fire, and their wives, their sons, and their daughters have been taken captive. This is not a good scene. Imagine, you're coming back from war, and all of a sudden, everything's burned, and all of your family is disappeared. It says, then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept. Man, they cried and cried and cried until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives, Ahinoam, the Jezreelitis, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal, the Carmonite, uh, had been taken captive as well. Now David was greatly distressed. I want you to read that with me. David was greatly distressed. In the Hebrew, it means he was greatly discouraged because everything he had fought for, everything he cared about was completely removed from him. For the people, not only that, but the people that were with him spoke of killing him, stoning him. Because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters, period. Then it says, but David strengthened himself in the Lord. How did he go from greatly distressed to strengthen himself in the Lord? How did he deal with discouragement and find himself in the place where he could move forward? His friends wanted to kill him. Discouragement is a very, very detrimental attack from the enemy that God, that, that God can help us overcome, this brokenness from the inside. See, here's what I want you to see. It's normal to be disappointed, but it's dangerous to be discouraged. It's normal to be disappointed. We all go through disappointments. We all deal with different disappointments. What is disappointment? Disappointment, this is my definition of disappointment. It means to feel sad because hopes uh, and expectations didn't happen like you wanted them to. It's a feeling of sadness. However, discouragement is way different than that. It goes beyond feelings. It's an attitude of hopelessness and defeat. Okay, let, let me let me read it to you this way. Let me let me speak it to you this way. Disappointment is saying, man, I missed this opportunity, let's try it again. Whereas discouragement is, I will never get this opportunity again, I'm just going to give up. Disappointment says something like this, they really let me down, how can I recover? Discouragement says, they let me down, there's something wrong with me, no one will ever love me again. See, it's normal for us to go through times like we're dealing with right now and maybe disappointed, disappointed in our family, maybe disappointed in our job, maybe disappointed in our boss, maybe disappointed in our friends. They haven't reached out to us. They haven't connected, maybe even disappointed in God. But when that disappointment turns to discouragement, we have to be very, very, very careful. So, We can get discouraged because of three things, and I want you to write these down. Remember, even though you're in your house enjoying coffee, maybe a scone, and you're in your PJs, doesn't mean you can't take some notes, write some things down. And you know what? I would love to see what you write down in your notes, so send them to me. Send them to me over Instagram. I want to see what you got out of this message, because I'm amazed and how the Holy Spirit can speak to people in so many different ways, okay? So we can get discouraged because of, number one, write this down, life just goes wrong. Okay, think about David for a second. Here he is doing the will of God. <laughs> He's actually accomplishing what God wants him to do. And he comes back expecting, his, his expectation is everything's going to be good, maybe his, his wife had cooked him a little pop pie, a little David special pop He's got some corn on this cob on the side. He's going back to Ziklag. You know, Ziklag, they have the best hamburgers in the world at Ziklag, and so he comes back and, and, and his, his idea is completely shifted. Everything about his plan is shifted. The town's burned and everything is stolen away from him. You know, sometimes you can do everything right and everything still go wrong. Sometimes you can be flat in the will of God, and things just go completely awry. That's the time where the enemy would love you to get discouraged. Number two is that stuff can go wrong. Okay, let me, let me tell you what's going on in my life right now. Just, I'm gonna give you my last 30 days, okay? And, and I really feel like that I'm doing God's plan, like I'm, I'm fulfilling his purpose. Okay, Here's what happened to me. Okay, my, I had a gas leak in my house. Gas leak. My wife had to call the fire department. I come home, and she's like, the fire department is all up in my house looking for gas leaks because they think the place is going to blow up. Second thing that happened, I wake up up at 6 o'clock in the morning, and my hot water heater is shooting water all over my garage. It completely destroys my entire garage. Okay? Coronavirus happens. Then my sewage backs up into my house, y'all, into my house. That is never good. When your sewage backs up into your house, destroys my whole first level of my house, all the floors have to be completely sanded and replaced. And then just two days ago, listen, I was driving down the road, a rock jumped out. There's nobody on the road. A rock jumps up and hits my stinking windshield and cracks my windshield. Stuff just goes wrong. Look, it's normal to be disappointed, but it's dangerous to get discouraged. Number three reason that we get discouraged is people are doing wrong. This is probably the biggest one and the things we need to face the most. About a year ago, I went through a people doing wrong to me. Listen, I'm not talking to people that don't like you doing wrong to you. We kind of expect them to do wrong to us. I'm talking about the people that are close to you that you expect to do all right, but they end up doing all wrong. Maybe they betray you. Maybe they break their promises. Maybe they criticize you or complain about you. Or maybe, maybe they do something like, like misunderstand you. Maybe they lie to you. They don't appreciate you. There's ungratefulness. You put your heart out there, and they stomp all over it. Listen, it's okay to be disappointed. Just make sure make sure you don't get to the place of discouragement. You know, in ministry, this is one of the things that I had to learn at an early age, that I needed to have thick skin and a soft heart. Because in the last 18 years of pastoring this church, in the last 25 years of ministry, people have done me wrong. And I have to be careful because if I get discouraged about people, listen to me very closely, I can take that discouragement right into the next relationship. And as a result of that, I can look at those people that are new in my life through the filter of what people did to me in the past. And if I do that, it is extremely dangerous because I will never get close to one. And think about the compounding effect of people doing you wrong. And we all have people do us wrong. We all have people do betray us and and break promises. Family members break their promises and hurt us. So we have to be careful. Listen, it's okay to be disappointed. Just make sure it's dangerous to be discouraged and live in that discouragement. I love what God promises us in Psalms 34. He said, the Lord is near to those who have a broken heart. If you're dealing with disappointment right now that may be leading over into discouragement, let me tell you, God's close to you. God is right there with you. And saves such as have a contrite spirit. Listen to what Jesus said in Luke chapter 4, verse 18. This is him, the first time he preaches, he, he grabs the, uh, the prophet Isaiah, the scrolls of Isaiah, and he says, the spirit of the, of the Lord is upon me. He's standing in front of all of his family in Bethlehem. He's preaching to them in the synagogue. And Jesus says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted." you know that is the calling of jesus is to help those that are discouraged to help those that have been go- are going through disappointment to make sure you don't find yourself in in a cycle of of disappointment and discouragement. He wants to help heal your broken heart. Maybe you're broken today because you lost your job. Maybe you're broken today because your business is going through. I mean, I talked to a guy the other day that lost a a million dollars in revenue just in a few days. And, man, I was encouraging. The thing I love about him is, man, he was so excited about what God was going to do on the other side. Listen, get get excited that on the other side of this disappointment that God has something better for you. So so what does discouragement do to us? Let's kind of get down to the root of this. First of all, discouragement affects us at the deepest level of our soul. Why? Because discouragement is a heart thing. Disappointment is a mental thing. Discouragement is something that attacks our heart. Matter of fact, the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 12, verse 25, it says, Anxiety in the heart of man causes depression, but a good word makes it glad. You can change the tide on this. You can completely change things around just by a good word, just, just by an encouraging word. And, and, and listen, listen to me. The most encouraging words you can ever get into your heart is the word of God. Because God cares about you, he loves you, and he will always be faithful to you. See, if we don't deal with discouragement, it will turn into depression. The word depression comes from the Latin word depressus, and it means to be pressed down. And so if the enemy can take the disappointment we may be dealing with, turn it into discouragement it will lend itself to a heart that becomes depressed. And I watched this happen in a lot of people's lives. When I was going through my anxiety attacks and panic attacks, man, I was right on the verge. I was disappointed, like, why is it? Why am I dealing? I'd never been sick a day in my life. A couple kidney stones, that kind of stuff. But, but other than that, I'd never had anything like this in my life. And I felt so out of control in it that I didn't know what to do. And what, what ends up happening, guys, is that discouragement It it, it wants to isolate us and pull us away from people when we should be around people so they can speak those encouraging words in our life. It wants to depress us and push us down out of the will and the purpose that God has for our life. The second thing that discouragement does, it it attacks our identity. It it attacks who I am. It, It goes after my value and my worth. It goes after who I am, what God has put in me, and, and, and causes me to question my purpose. That's what discouragement does. It start, we, we get disappointed because something didn't happen the way we thought it should. Now, God's working in the background, he, He's doing something back here that we don't know. And, and we start to question well, is this really who I am? Is this really what I'm supposed to be doing? Is this really the calling on my life? That's what discouragement, it'll attack our identity. And then number three, discouragement can cause us to abort our destiny. One of the greatest examples of this is found in 1 Kings chapter 19. A guy by the name of Elijah, a prophet, who who, who basically killed 800 prophets of Baal and Asherah. There were this king and queen, uh, King Ahab and Jezebel, his crazy, out-of-control you know, uh, I mean, she was out of control, wild, reality television crazy, you know, way beyond anything wild, and, and they were serving other gods, and Elijah comes along, and he has this amazing, miraculous moment where he kills 800 uh, prophets of Baal and Asherah. He runs faster than, than Ahab's fastest chariot. He calls down rain out of heaven. He had, he had basically stopped rain from coming for three years, and then he caught it back into existence. And, and, and then in 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 4, he finds himself in the wilderness under a tree, going, God, I'd just like to die. And this is what happens. Discouragement often comes after our greatest miracles. I want you, because we, we do great things for God, and then for some reason. We kind of let up a little bit, and discouragement can come in. We start to question things. And as a result, we can easily abort our destiny. And that's exactly what happened to Elijah. He was like, I just want to be out of the game. I want to sit on the bench, God. Matter of fact, I want to just go on to heaven. Not good at all. See, disappointment, discouragement, depression. And then people, they end up committing suicide. Look, that is not the answer, Look, I'm speaking to somebody right now. It is not the right answer for you to end your life. God has so much ahead for you. Do not quit. Do not give up. God has something special for you. I know you may be disappointed. I know you may be feel d- discouraged. I know that something's trying to press you down. But listen, stand up right now. God has a better plan for you. There was one man that went through problem after problem And he was in the will of God. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. His name was Paul. And here's what he said in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I love this verse. He says, we are pressed on every side by troubles, but not crushed and broken. We are perplexed because we don't know why things happen as they do, but we don't give up and quit. We are hunted down, but God never abandons us. We get knocked down, but... We get up again and keep going. I don't know what your but is, but you need to right now stand up and say, but I'm not going to give up. But I'm going to keep moving along. No discouragement is going to hold me back. Come on, I'm preaching right now. So good. You need to say amen. See, the Bible says, but God strengthened himself in the Lord his God. How did he do that? How did he strengthen himself? All his friends wanted to kill him. His family had left, was gone, kidnapped. His city was burned. He had to go to God. What did he do? Okay, I want to give you some hints that helped me and helped a lot of people. And I believe this is what David did on how to reverse discouragement, how to get out of disappointment so that depression doesn't come upon us, okay? Number one is you got to keep your eyes on the prize. You got to keep your focus Keep your focus on the goal at hand. I've learned something about goals. That there will always be a season of mundane before you enter the monumental. In other words, there is always going to be a season where things seem to just stop flowing like you think they should be flowing. You always, all of us have to go through a season of mundane. And that is exactly when the enemy tries to come in and cause us to be discouraged. We think things aren't working out, we think there's not, a, there's not enough money, there's not enough people. I remember when we started this church 18 years ago and we, we, we started off with 67 people, had a revival the next weekend, we had 34. It was amazing, we, went, we cut in half, like we went half the number of people showed up. And we stayed, honestly, for the first year we stayed under 100 people. And we stayed, the next year it was like 120 for the whole year. And here I am trying to build this church, and I was going through a mundane time. But you know what? It's in the mundane times that God helps build our character of who we are. Because we've got to keep our eyes on the prize. Keep your eyes on that word. If God hasn't spoke anything new to you today, just keep quoting what he said to you yesterday because we all have to go through a season of mundane before we step into the monumental. Galatians chapter six, verse nine, it says, but as for you, brethren, do not grow weary in doing good. Don't quit, don't stop, just keep pressing forward. If God hasn't given you anything new to do today, just keep doing what he said to you yesterday. You know, Paul had the opportunity to do this in 2 Corinthians, I want you to hear this verse because this is so crazy. Here's what he says, he said, are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites, so am I. Are they the seed of Abraham, so am I. Are they ministers of Christ, I speak as a fool. Now what Paul is doing is he's letting you know that he has to go through some challenges, some mundane, some opportunities for discouragement and he's saying look, I I am just like everybody else. I have the same frailty as everybody else. I deal with the same weaknesses as everybody else. And he says, I am more. And then listen to the list of things. Look, if you think your problems are bad, let's listen to what Paul went through. In labors, more abundantly. In stripes, beatings above measure. In prisons, more frequently. In deaths, often. From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one, which was one stripe away from a death sentence. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned, and that's not talking about the kind of stone. I'm talking throwing rocks at you kind of stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I've been in the deep, in journeys often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers. He says, in perils of my own countrymen. His own family went after him, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false Brethren, perils, perils, perils everywhere, and weariness and toil, and sleepnesses often, and hunger and thirst, and fastings often, and cold and nakedness. Besides the other things, what comes upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches. Listen, Paul went through some stuff. He had every reason to be discouraged, but he didn't do it. He didn't allow himself to get to the place where disappointment turned into discouragement that led to depression. We don't want to be there. So what do we have to do? Keep our eyes on the prize. This is probably the most important thing on staying encouraged. He says, this is what he said. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended. In other words... What Paul was saying is I don't pretend to understand everything that has happened to me. And we can't figure out everything that goes on. I don't know why my hot water heater broke. I don't know why some rock came out of nowhere and broke my windshield. All I know is that God has a calling on my life and I'm going to keep going strong towards it until I cross that finish line. I am not going to quit. Not gonna ha- I'm not going to spend all my time trying to figure out something that I have no business con- being in control of. I'll let God take care of that. I'll focus on what he's called me. But he said, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Keep your eyes on the prize. Number two, self-talk. Huge. You know, we can, the average person can talk anywhere from 100 to 150 words per minute. Now, I know that there are some of you out there that are above average, that you could probably hit 200, and some of you on a good day could hit 250. I bet you, I know you can talk that much. However, internally, we can speak 100 to 150, but internally, you know how many words you talk to yourself? 500 words a minute. Imagine if those words are Negative. Imagine if those words are, are complaining and detrimental. And then we're, we're our worst critic. I know I am. I know I have to be very, very careful. I have to be self-aware of the words that I speak internally. Because I have a tendency to talk myself out of my worthiness. To talk out of my value. And so I have to wrestle with that. So you know how I fix that? I confess out loud the things that I know are true about me. Matter of fact, I have a confession, a list of confession. Whenever I feel myself getting disappointed, that that may turn into discouragement, I will pull up that confession and I'll speak it out. I believe the greatest faith you will ever hear comes out of your own lips Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Speak God's word over your life. Control that self-talk. Here's what Ephesians says. It says, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for the necessary edification that it may impart grace to the hearers. And you know who the number one hearer is? You, me. I'm the number one hearer. I need to hear myself speaking good things over me. Now I'm not talking about standing in the mirror and going, Troy, you're the best. And I'm not talking about what I'm talking about. I'm talking about speaking God's word over your life. So you gotta be a self-aware of what's going on, self-aware of the words. When was the last time you took an inventory of how you talk about you? Be careful. Remember, the Bible says you were fearfully and wonderfully made by God. God made you. Quit criticizing God's perfect creation. Okay, so quit it, just stop it and be self aware of that self talk. Number three is friendships. Oh, this is so important, especially. In this kind of, this isolation quarantine moment that we're facing right now, it's so important to stay connected with people. FaceTime them. I'm always FaceTiming somebody and talking to them. And, you know, not text messaging them. I'm talking to them face to face. I want to hear their voice. There's something special about hearing their voice and connecting with them. Get get around those people. Here's what the Bible says. It says, iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. Get in a life group. I know it's a Zoom call, but get on that group. Get in a prayer meeting. Spend some time around some people. Uh, He who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. Get around some wise people. If you got some friends that are negative, look, just leave them to the sidelines for right now. If you got some friends that are negative and complaining all the time and criticizing, and look, just put them to the side for a little while. Let them straighten out themselves because you don't need that discouragement In your life. Number four is relax. Come on, just look at somebody right there in your house and just look at them and say, relax. Quit taking yourself so seriously, okay? I know you're a legend in your own mind, but listen, you you are not that big a deal. Neither am I. So relax. Laugh a little bit. Watch watch some comedians or something. Smile every now and then. Inform your face that you're saved. Okay, let's see the pearly whites. Smile, watch, watch something on television that's gonna help you laugh a little bit. Laughter is like medicine. Learn to have some fun. Here's what the Bible says in Proverbs. It says a ra- relaxed attitude lengthens a man's life. Just look, I, look, young people, just take a big deep breath in, <sighs> let it all out. You don't have to have it all figured out by the time you're 25. I know, I know, I know, it's hard to think that you're not gonna have the right person, the right job, the right career, the right house, but it's okay, just relax, relax. I love Proverbs 17, a merry heart does good like a medicine. I love to laugh. I try to get around as much laughter as I can because I feel so much better. Before I go to bed, I don't watch, um, I don't watch CNN or Fox or the news. No, I watch funny stuff. I, I try to laugh before I go to bed. Well, it, it's physiologically, it helps us create serotonin and melatonin so you can sleep better. And also, you don't have just bad dreams, About stuff that you shouldn't even be thinking about anyway before you go to bed. So relax. Just chill out a little bit. Have some fun. And then I bookended probably the best things that I think. Keep your eyes on the prize, self talk, be be aware, friendships, relax. And then number five is you got to praise God. Isaiah 61, in verse 1, it says, The garment of praise. God gives us the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. The day we live in right now, right now, so important that we go to a whole new level of praise. The other day, I'll tell you a funny story. The other day, I was, um, I was playing golf with a professional athlete. <laughs> okay, he's a professional basketball, was a professional basketball player. Played for, okay, I'm going to go ahead and say it. He played for Duke. I know some of you are North Carolina fans. Um, I have no, no skin in the game because I'm from Virginia. Um, but he went on to play for the Hornets and the 76ers, and, and he's, a, he's a very good athlete. And so uh, I was playing him in golf, and I, I got on the phone before we got on the golf course, and I started to rib him a little bit. Matter of fact, I took a, a video of my wife and had her kind of heckle him a little bit. Okay, let me just tell you something big mistake huge mistake because the guy whooped my tail on the golf course. I mean, he kicked my butt. Why? Because professional athletes, like they have a whole nother gear that they can hit. That's why they're professional athletes. That's why they're among the elite of the elite to play these professional sports. I love hanging around with them because they take my game up to a whole nother level. But he kicked my butt. Why? Because He went to a whole nother level. Normally I beat the guy, but he went to a whole different level. You know what it's time to do, church? It's time to go to a whole new level of praise. It's time to go to a whole new level of relationship with God. I think this is the moment, this is the time, this is is our opportunity to kind of hit reset and go to that new level. And so I wanted just to take the last couple minutes before we finish this up today. And I want to just, let's just praise God. Let's put on the garment of praise. Are you facing disappointment in your life? Come on, wrap yourself in the garment of praise. Are you you facing discouragement? Have the Amalekites come in and, and taken things away from you? Has life just come in and taken things away from you? Come on, put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Are you you feeling like pressed down? Like like, like finances. The pressure of finances pushing you down. The pressure of the answer uncertainty pressing you down. Come on, all you got to do right where you are, lift up your hands and let's go to another level of praise. Let's go to another level of praise right now, right where you are, right through the the television right through your mobile device right through your computer let's go to a whole new level of praise can we just sing that right now come on let's just sing that right now come on he's faithful great is your faithful come on right now you can just begin to confess this
1: in your life
0: Your make for invite you if you're watching and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life the greatest decision you can ever make in your life is to be born again Is to ask Jesus to come and abide in your heart the Bible says if you confess that Jesus is Lord confess that he was raised from the dead God promises to save you make you whole from the inside out from the inside out. We all go through broken moments. But when you know, but you know, but you know, but you know that you have a relationship with God, no devil in hell, no disappointment, no discouragement, no depression can ever stop you because he's faithful. If you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, could could you just tell somebody right now, I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. Just in the chat bar, you, you can click right there if you're on our live stream, go to our freedomhouse.cc slash connect and we have people right there to pray with you. I'm gonna pray with you right now to receive Christ, to receive Jesus in your heart. You can do it, you can do it. Maybe you're all by yourself, just give him your life. Maybe you knew him at one time and the challenges of life, stuff going on, life going on, people letting you down have pulled you away from God. You can come right back to him and he loves you so much I'm gonna pray for you right now and I want you to say these words I'm gonna lead you through a prayer just say these words and then we're gonna close out by us singing how great God's faithfulness is just say this with me say Heavenly Father come on say it with me Heavenly Father every Christian join in right now Heavenly Father I believe that Jesus died for me I believe that his blood washes me of all my sins and all my mistakes today I give you my life, I give you all my pain, I give you all my weaknesses, I give you all my failures. Jesus, come into me, come and live in my heart, change me forever. I will serve you and I will worship you all the days of my life, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come on, celebrate. In Jesus' name. God is good. He is faithful. Come on, great is his faithfulness. Come on, sing it one more time. Great is his faithfulness.